0: All right, week number four. How's everyone doing? Good, good, looking handsome and pretty and all those uh, adjectives. Um, Hey, let's show some love for our first time guests. We're so happy that you're with us today. Thank you for joining us. You could be in the bed or at Starbucks or somewhere, but you chose to come here. So welcome to Highlight Church. All right, I'm on a timer, so let's get right to it. Hey, join me in Matthew 14. Uh, we're just going to dive right in here. Matthew 14, verse 22. There it is. All right, here it is. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. Immediately after what? Immediately after Jesus has just taken uh, five fish and two loaves of bread to feed 20,000 people. He's taken five fish, two loaves of bread to feed 20,000 people. I don't know about you, but, you know, like, my first year in Christ, once the pastor said that, man, I I was up. I was just up in my seat, like, are you serious? Is that even possible in my life? It wasn't this. Uh, uh, that's impressive. I did that yesterday. No, you haven't. You ain't, you ain't never seen that in your life. Just, oh, that's that's cool. All right. Well, let's keep moving here. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat. Um, it's interesting right now in the ministry of Christ, he's been doing all the miracles, but uh, he's about to um, put them through something that's going to enable them to cross over to a greater uh, existence or a greater quality of life. So he's insisting that they get on the boat. You know, like when you're trying to buy dinner or you're trying to do something for someone, and they're like, "No, nah, I'm, I'm good. We'll we'll stay here with you," or you know, "I'll I'll pay for half of it" or whatever. You're like, "No, no, I insist." Like. Please, I'll pay. No, no, you just go. I got this covered. I'll I'll clean the house. You go and just go and enjoy yourself. Like he's the word here means he's pushing them. Pushing them, because up until this point, it's it's been him doing all the all the work, all the work, all the work, all the work in about six to nine months. He's going to die. And uh, they have the greatest calling in human history to carry out and to fulfill as his disciples. They're going to, they're eventually, they're going to transition from disciple, which means student, to apostle, which means ambassador. So they're going to go from sitting in the seats to actually doing the works that he was doing. So he's insisting, please get on, get on the boat. And this lake is... This lake is the Lake of Galilee where he uh, where he had at one point he met most, if not all of his disciples uh, before they started to follow him on the shore of Galilee. I need you to remember that setting. He met them two years prior to this on the shore of Galilee where it was a little bit safer, you know, where you get saved, you know, where it's uh, salvation and is. Uh so that next step. Salvation is the most important thing, but it's the first thing. So it, the shore is where they got saved. But you move on to greater things in your faith. Yeah. I don't want to mess up my message. I'm, I'm going to keep going back here. So he says this here. I insist. And then he sent the 20,000 people home. Verse 23. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray night fell while he was there alone man he had a jesus the goat the greatest of all time this this series is about learning how to be great from the greatest person to ever live and so we see a very highly consecrated life of prayer unto the father i wonder why it's the shore But I insist you go across the lake. And while you grow, while you get on the boat and get in the water, I'm going to go and pray for hours because I am God. But as Paul tells us in Philippians 2, I put down my divine privileges. So though he was catch this now, though Jesus was God, he never tapped into his God power. He lived as a normal person. Because a lot of times we like to put the cheat button on Jesus, like, man, he was able to feed 20,000 people with five fish and two loaves of bread because he was God. He was God, but he laid down his divine privileges, meaning that he never utilized his God power to do miracles. Okay, all right, all right, all right. I need you to get into the lake. But what I need to do as because I can't be God, I, I can't just do whatever I want to do. I have to pray. I, I gotta get in the presence of God. I have to get the word of God. I have to get affirmation from my Father, you know, telling me that what I'm about to do, I can do it, even though this is about to be very impossible from a scientific standpoint, what I'm about to do, I should not be doing. So I need you guys to cross over because I'm about to show you how to live in the greater once you see what I'm about to do for you. But before I do this, I have to pray. Mm, I love it. I love it. Love it. I gotta pray. I gotta pray. I gotta pray. I gotta pray. This. I'm digressing a little bit. This isn't even in my notes. I just feel like staying here. I gotta pray. We don't. We don't pray enough. We. And when we do pray, it's, Lord bless the food. Amen. It requires no faith. So so there's no need for God to supply His supernatural spirit. It doesn't require any, any of his intervention when we pray. We, we pray for the same goals, the same stuff, and it's just, you know, Lord, just bless, bless what I can do. <laughs> do you understand that most of your prayers surround around what you can do? So if you can do it, if you need strength to do it, there's no reason for God to show up. God, give me strength to do it. Instead of, God, tear down this door as I obey you. I don't need strength to obey you. I just obey you. But as I obey you, I'm going to be opposed. I need you to tear down the opposition. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Let me get back to my notes. I know, Damien, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm wasting time, but I'm coming. Here it is. Verse 24. Verse 24. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the shore. Salvation is the shore. I'm starting to really give this Jesus thing a chance. I've been trying it out for two years. Why isn't this like like when I fell in love with Jesus? Why isn't this like when I fell in love with? This is difficult. They were in trouble far away from the shore, okay? All right, stay with me. I got something for you. A strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. I want to bring a message to you entitled Crossing Over to Greater. <laughs> it's so funny. He said, I insist. And, and he knew the storm was going to come. God is fully aware of the storms that you're going to encounter in 2018. He, he knew in 2010 the storms that you would encounter in 2018. Fully, fully aware, but he, he still insists that you move forward in faith. He knows that when you're going to try to make that big sale, that at the very end of it, something's going to kind of mess up the deal. He knows that once you've gone through school and you've gotten your degree and you try to get your dream job or enter into your dream career, he knew that there was going to be major opposition as you tried to enter into the industry. He he knew and he understood that uh, at a certain point in your marriage that uh, you would hit not just a roadblock, but a wall. And, and you would never think that you would be in the circumstance that you're currently in. He knew it, but he still insists that you obey. This brings us to point number one as we attempt to cross over to a greater existence in our lives. Problems are not optional. Problems are not optional. I remember when (laughs) we, when we, uh, when I, when I stepped out of our, our last church we were at, um, I mean, I, this great church, still still love the leaders there. I mean, 4,000 people, six different locations across central Florida. And um, but, but I knew that God put something in my heart. It wasn't manifested yet. It was just I could see it with spiritual eyes. We're going to talk about faith here in a few minutes, what God has shown you, but it hasn't manifested yet. And so he'll put you in water and all that stuff. But um, I stepped out of. What was, what was guaranteed, y'all. I mean, I was, I was about to be vetted to have my own campus, and we were going to be set, we were going to be good. But I had to obey God and step out on faith and step out on nothing. And, and so then Kyra, I, Kyra, my wife, and Chris, we, we had all committed to this church plant, and uh, we asked six others to join us. The first six said no. And then within three months' time, God provided a brand new six, five of which we only knew for about a year, year and a half max, one of which is sitting in your front row over here, um, Becca, uh, she sees an Instagram post, late 2015, uh, where we posted Gaithersburg, September 2016. She is way in Williston, North Dakota, and she inquires, like, what's going on in Gaithersburg next year? And we end up having, like, a three-hour FaceTime, and we talk, and she's an angel, she's a doll, and she's here. um, So uh, six adults from Central Florida, one from North Dakota, and our lovely head administrator, Megan Megan Gianna. sorry, she just got married from um, New York, New York. And we all converged here to Gaithersburg in uh, May of 2016. June of 2016, we started having what are called interest meetings. And uh, our first interest meeting, five people show up. Such bad preparation. I meant to have the picture. I would have loved to have painted that picture, but don't worry about it. Five people show up. And we grow our team from nine adults to 24. And we launched the church on October 16, 2016. Well, we attempted to. But on October fifteenth, we are locked out of our U-Haul. And uh, it's late. It's like 10 p.m., 11 p.m., midnight. Kyra's on the phone. We're calling the manager, the regional. We're calling headquarters. And they're like, look you guys won't be able to get in until 9 a.m on sunday and as you know we have our worship experience start at 10 a.m i mean we have all of our equipment in our u-haul and i get to this place where we've moved thousands of pe- a few people away for a thousand miles and from north dakota and from new york our families coming into town and all this stuff and it's like is this really what this is going to come down to the day before we start the church now granted the church is not a building. The church is the body of believers. The word there is ekklesia. It means called out ones. So when Jesus went to his disciples and he said, follow me, he was calling them out of the world culture or the world system, a system that is oppressed and suppressed by sin. He was saying, come follow me. I'm going to call you to change the world. And so um, we move people here and U-Haul is locked. Long story short, we're able to get into the U-Haul. It's about one o'clock in the morning. We bust into the U-Haul place like some wild animals, and they're probably on the camera like, what in the world is wrong with these fools? This is a church. And so anyway, needless to say this, look, 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 look. look. The U-Haul opened. We launched the church. 15 months later, over 100 salvations, thousands of dollars given to outreach, <laughs> many people finding community. Many marriages are being healed, hope is being experienced, true life is being found in Jesus. And I wouldn't have traded that blockage for anything in the world. I believe when you're about to break through into something greater, there's inevitably going to be a blockage in your life. Inevitably, it's going to come be it by people or circumstances or whatever, whenever God is calling you to something greater and you're like, okay, I finally trust you. I'm going to stick to it. I'm removing all the time, the expiration dates and the deadlines. I'm I'm just going to trust you. That first step, that second step, that third step, the closer you get to it, the more and the stronger the opposition becomes. And problems are not, They're not optional. You you can't go throughout life and say, I choose this problem, this problem. Yes, I choose those problems. No, God's like, look, there's greater, but with that package in the fine print comes problems. And we won't even talk about the brokenness that exists within us that prevent us from moving forward. Forget outward problems. There's stuff in us that prevents us from moving forward. They're not optional. But think about it this way. Problems are tests in disguise. And the more problems you solve, the greater the grade you receive. Hmm, Okay, let me read. Tests are promotions in disguise. And the more difficult the test, the greater the promotion. I need you to cross over. I insist. I insist. I insist. Problems are not optional. You know, point number two is this. Problems are elemental. They are elemental. You know, before we moved here, My favorite holiday was winter. We lived in Orlando, Florida. So you got about four days of winter, and it was like 70s, and it was perfect. But when we moved here for the past two winters, I've come to actually hate winter. (laughs) So you Marylanders have turned me into a believer. You know, I came, yeah, man, winter's are great. Can't wait to get all my stuff and all my cute boots and all this, and I'm like, I'm in the house every day. So depressed. (laughs) Uh, I hate it. (laughs) I hate it. So I think the new favorite season is fall, right? We got fall, fall lovers. Praise Jesus for fall. I never said that summer was my favorite season. I know a lot of Marylanders, people from northern states, you love fall, but I mean summer, but summer is too hot. It's like the sun is like, bam, right here on you when you go outside and you want to go out and, and just turn that sucker off or down a little bit like, can I just turn you down? But, you know, the problem is, is that the sun is elemental. That word means it's natural. It's, it's climatic. Take it a little further. It's out of my control. I can't turn the sun down. <laughs> there are a lot of problems in our lives that we can't control. Like, you can't control how someone treats you, even when you love them and you're giving it your best. You can't control if the job lays you off. You can't control it. Don't we see that in in the narrative? I've obeyed Jesus for two years, and now he's insisting that we get out on the boat. And we're out on the boat obeying God. We're trying to do better. We're reading our Bible. We're praying. We're coming to church. And we're serving. We're tithing. We're giving our money. And oh, my God. And whoa, whoa, whoa. And this and And then, whoa, the elements start to just wake up all of a sudden. The wind is blowing. The water is coming. The storm is brewing. The thunder is going. The lightning is coming down. Oh, my. Oh, M.O.G. I did not know. When I said yes to Jesus, that this is what it was going to be like. I mean, I, I, I thought that when I said yes to Christ, he would take care of everything. So I say yes to Jesus, that automatically assumes that I get the greater life. No, 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 that's, that's, that's faulty faith. That, that's pseudo-faith, because now you're all up in the enemy's territory. See, 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 Paul tells us this in the epistles. He says that we were dead in our sin. And when Christ came, he made us alive. Okay? So when Satan tempted Adam and Eve to disobey God, sin entered in. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, separation from God. So before you gave your life to Christ, you were not a bad person. You were probably a real good person. The problem is that you were a dead person. And, and Satan was perfectly fine with that. But when you come alive in Jesus, you're taking territory from the enemy. No, 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 no. And this is the devil. No, th- that, that, I, there's, I got an a, 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 a alcoholic stronghold on that family. I got a stronghold of addiction on that family. I have a stronghold of, of debt and poverty on that family. I have a stronghold of this on that family, of divorce on that family, of abuse on that family, of lying on that family. And this one, oh my, there's a person in this family that gives their lives to Jesus? and my power is rent, my, my power in this family's life is severed, oh, no, I, I got to turn up the storm on them, because if they find out who they are in Jesus, nothing is impossible to them. I got to, come on, demons, we got to turn up, we got to turn it up a little bit on them. Oh, no, no, you want greater? There are going to be some things that you, you're walking with God, and Things are just going to happen that are out of your control. But that's okay because though things are out of your control, you have the power to choose the way that you respond to your circumstance. You, you, you can be free from Depression. I declare that over someone right now. I don't know who it is, but you can be free. In the name of Jesus, you can break anxiety over your life. You can get out of debt. It takes discipline. You, you, you can dream big. You can change the world for the glory of God. Your family can come to Jesus You don't have to be the only one that believes in the love and the forgiveness and the freedom that Christ provides. You can can control it. James 1, 2 through 4 says this. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity of great joy. This is a paradigm shift, y'all. What, this is the brother of Christ, and if anyone knows, he knows. He, he walked with his brother. <laughs> and so he, that, this means that he has the perspective of his brother when he walked the earth. So when Jesus encountered trials, he took it as an occasion to turn it into joy. And he says this here, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Because what you need in your life of faith is endurance. Paul tells us in one of his apostles that there have been many who have claimed Christ, but they have turned back to their lives of sin only to pretty much spit on his sacrifice and the death that he died on the cross to set us free. You need endurance for your faith. And he says this, so let it grow. Let it grow. The next time someone opposes me, I respond in peace. I respond with prayer. I respond with praise. That's why it's so great to come on a Sunday and you can lift your hands in the Hebrew. What that means when you lift your hands, I need to teach this in the Hebrew. When you lift your hands, you're pretty much declaring to God that you come into agreement with what he plans to do in your life. That's what that tells God when you do that. And when you agree with God, Jesus just said, whatever you ask for, that shall I do. Whatever you, whatever you want me to do for you for the glory of God, I will do. So your praise is actually a prayer without words. So just let it on come. You had the worst week of your life. Come on to church. Get in an atmosphere of faith and just let it ride. Lord, I agree. Last week was hell and high water and I'm in this storm. But I'm going to praise you anyway because I know a greater day is coming. That's what James is saying. That's how his brother responded when the Pharisees were out for his neck. And when this person was talking about him and when these people left him and when they thought Jesus was crazy, Jesus would go into the mountains and he would just let the father have it. Because he needed endurance. Because he knew prob- he <laughs> he knew that that cross was not an option. And we're we're gonna preach that the, the, the weekend before Easter. He knew that the cross was not an option. So the Bible tells us that for the joy that awaited him, he pressed in. He took on the cross, despising its shame. If we would just learn from Jesus about how to deal with issues, you understand that I'm not gonna fold to problems. I'm going to praise. I'm going to press through. And then I'm going gr- to come out 10 times better yeah, right. than I was before the problem actually hit. And then I'm going to hit this verse. For when your endurance is fully developed, this is called, san- this, this big theological word is sanctification. So when you give your heart to Christ, it's God's goal for you to look more and more like Jesus until the day that you pass on to heaven. This is why storms aren't optional. Because you can't become like Christ. You can't become Christ like. You can't love like Christ. You, you can't believe like Christ. You can't change the world like Christ until you actually go through something. And so he says this he says here that you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Meaning that it is not God's desire for things to have you. You can have things, you can have great relationships, but you can't choose whether or not you can keep them. So when people leave and when things leave and when you get hurt, he's saying that when you press in by faith and when you trust and when you grow, even though things and people and circumstances get all crazy, you will be full on the inside. Full. Now, hindsight, and a lot of you know this, there's a season where Kyra and I, you know, had one in the oven, had our oldest kid, so I call it a family of three and a half. There's a season while we were on staff at this huge church where we were on welfare and food stamps. I'm bringing in five hundred dollars, a thousand dollars a month. She can't work because she goes on bed rest. She has too much water. Four months pregnant. That's five months of $500 a month, a family of three and a half. Then my car goes down. The catalytic catalytic converter goes out. That's a mess. And, and, And it's just all crazy. But I love it. I love it now because what he did in that year was he severed my need for he severed our need for stuff. And we became full in him. And guess what? We didn't lack anything during that entire season. And as a matter of fact, I I believe with all my heart that he preordained that circumstance. It's not always his preferred and it's not always the devil. But sometimes God preordains and preorchestrates things. If you're going to cross over to greater, I believe that that season has had everything to do with the over 100 salvations and in the hope that has been found in this church. He, let me tell you this too. He uses seasons like that to purify your why. So why are you pursuing a career or, Why are you going after this person or or why? God will put you through a tough season to purify your why. So you go into something with pure motives. Matthew 14, 25 through 29 says this. It says about three o'clock in the morning. Here it is. Jesus came toward them walking on water. When the disciples saw him walking on water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. This was pretty commonplace. Men were known to see ghosts, especially fishermen, because a lot of fishermen died in the Sea of Galilee. So it's pretty commonplace to think that there was a ghost walking on water. And it says this here, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you. Tell me to come to you walking on the water. I love Peter. Because in the midst of a storm, his prayers are bold. Typically, when we get in a storm, we don't pray. Or our prayers become, like I said earlier, just give me strength. In the midst of a storm, it's the perfect time to pray for a miracle. It's the perfect time to ask God to do the impossible. And he says, if it is you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. I love Jesus. 29 says this, yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Point number three is this. You must, if you're going to cross over to greater in every area of your life, you must walk on water. You must Walk on water. I want to deal with uh, levels of faith right now, if you're taking notes. So there is what's called saving faith. Okay, this is where an individual comes to the realization that God loves them. And that they've been forgiven. You've been forgiven for every sin you've ever committed. Past, present and future. You are forgiven. Your slate is clean. Uh, God put it on the cross with Christ. And so they come to this place. Oh, man, you note takers are giving me life. They, they come to this place where they believe by faith that Jesus is the son of God and they receive him as savior. They, they repent. So they turn they turn from a life of unbelief to a life of belief. The word ter, the word repent is shove in the Hebrew and it means to turn or in the Greek is metanoia and it means to have a change of mind. So. They turn. That's saving faith. You you become a new creation according to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You're made new. So you're spiritually new, and now we have to process you through life so that the flesh is defeated and you're living more in the spirit. That's saving faith. Then there's growing faith, okay? Growing faith is when you start to read your Bible. You develop a a healthy Bible reading regimen. Because I was talking to a superhero uh, last night about this. This is the thing. Why would I give my life to somebody and I don't know them? Jesus's life is, oh, that's all. Jesus's life is all up in here. Get to know him. Get to know him. And so you have a healthy Bible regimen, and then you develop a healthy lifestyle of prayer. Prayer is dialogue. It's not a monologue. Prayer is is you have what you have to say to God and you wait to hear from God. So I believe with all my heart that the night before Jesus was waiting to hear from the father. He was he was waiting to hear a lot. We're so hurried right now. We're we're Satan got us all over the place. We're, we're at this thing, and we're at that thing, and we're doing this, and we're doing that. And, and, and God's like, uh, uh, okay, uh, mm, all right. Um, dang it, they won't stay still. So growing faith is a, is, a, is a healthy prayer life. As a matter of fact, as Jesus was with the disciples, the Bible says that he explained the law and the prophets to them in detail. So he would get with them in a small group and he would break down the word. And so you go from a growing faith to a lifestyle of faith. Mm -hmm. This is when your thoughts become his thoughts. This is when every decision you make, you consult the spirit of God. You consult the word of God. You consult spiritual leadership. Every decision you make, you begin to see things the way that God sees them. You actually begin to see, in a season where singleness was a burden, you begin to see it as a gift. Because singleness is a gift. And a lot of times the reason why you're not in a relationship yet is because God is trying to protect you from all the phonies and the crazy people. Oh, y'all don't want to talk real. We just want to wanna be cute, church. He's protecting you from all the crazy people. And he's preparing the person that's doing the same thing you're doing for y'all to meet. We do. Okay. Let me keep going. So, <clears throat> growing faith is when you take. So, okay. That doesn't make sense, but God is calling me to it. <sighs> All right. Wow. man, that worked. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a jump. Ugh man I've never really committed myself to serving in the church. I, I've come to church, but I've never served. okay For some of us it's tithing. it's it's giving God our resource and it's it's all up in here. okay All right so this this the first Sunday I've been talking to myself, I've been talking to the Lord. If I'm married. I've been talking to my spouse about giving my 10%. It's principle. It belongs to the Lord. Oh, it worked. It's a lifestyle of faith. It's a life. And, and let me just say this about the tithe. This isn't a tithing message, but guess the church does not need your money. Okay? Jesus said, I will build my church. So, like, before you even got to any local church, that church existed before you. The tithe is to work on your heart. It's to sever your dependence on the God of money. And it's to put that God in its place and to put God in his proper place in your life. That's what you call a lifestyle of faith. The lifestyle. So, Hebrews 11.1, it says this. This is faith. This is what God says faith is. It says this. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us the assurance about things we cannot see. So the fact that you have faith is a sure sign that what you hope for will happen. It, it hasn't happened, but it will. So what Jesus was doing while in prayer is he was loading himself up on faith because scientifically it's not possible we're all smart to walk on water because the human body due to the fact that it's more compact it's more dense than water so if we were to try to step out we'd sink right Kelly's following me I'm a priest to you Kelly we'd sink right so he steps on the water All right, and so the Bible tells us that he walks on water. Lifestyle of faith walks on water. Lifestyle of faith walks on water. It gives us the assurance about things we cannot see. Now, Jesus is like, Father, I've never seen this done before, and I can't tap into my powers. I really need you right now. All right. I can't, oh, okay, I can't see it, but now I see it. I see it with spiritual eyes. God. Oh, man, the Father has shown me that this is possible. This is possible. This is possible. And so I have to trust. So lifestyle of faith, walk on water. Here it is. He walks on the water. And that word walk in the Greek is para pateo. It actually doesn't mean consensual, uh, consecutive steps. It means to live. Oh, oh, snap. Mm, It means he is living on water. And it means to thrive, to grow while walking in the midst of an impossible situation. And how did Jesus do this? He did it by faith. He did it by seeing what the Father showed him. And even though the elements are all crazy and the people are all crazy and my health is not all that well and the situation's all out of whack, Jesus is saying, because I walk on the water, Peter, now you can walk on the water. Because what? Because you see me walking on the water. Oh, man, come on now. Come on. I got to get this. I'm not preaching this the way God gave it to me. Because Peter saw Jesus walk on water, he then... he then, he then believed that he could begin to walk on the water because he saw it by faith. And Peter entered this lifestyle of faith where he began to walk on the water. And so before he walks, though, Peter says, if it be you, tell me to come and walk on the water. Jesus says, come. The word come there is come and it means to attack. Lance, I'm going to preach to you. Problems aren't optional, they're out of our control, but the command is to attack. I'm trying to figure this out, because I'm human, I need to, uh, This is, is it God or is it me? I think the quietness is from the fact that y'all are really thinking. That's what I'm going to take this as. In times past, about a month ago, when I was a little bit immature, a younger preacher, about a month ago, I would have been offended. But I think your quietness is because you're getting it. Are you getting it? Yeah. Can we clap it up? Are you getting it? Your water is a certain area of your life that Satan has convinced you is impossible. Jesus' command is to attack. We see that, come, come, attack. He's the greatest of all time. And I don't know what that situation is for you, but he's saying don't bow down to it. He's saying that it's time for us to start to see opposition and pushback as an opportunity to cross over to greater. Not as an occasion to bow down to the oppression that Satan wants to put on our lives. You attack. I've shown you that it's possible to walk on water. I've given you the vision for that business. I've given you a seed of faith to believe that you can be happy again in a relationship. Even though you don't see that person, even though you don't know how that's gonna all come, you have to keep your eyes on me. So this is the application. As you're walking by faith, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your head planted in this word. just planted I can't I can't I can't see but all you need is the word come all you need is the word of God I'm gonna obey it I'm gonna trust it I, I can't see it all but I just know it's possible I can't see You know, sometimes your miracle is only 18 inches away. It's 18 inches from your eyes to your heart. Peter had to first see it before he could believe it in his heart. I'm a priest to you now, Louis. Don't do it You had to first see it. So, if I'm the enemy and I can keep you away from this word, you'll never see it. And you'll never believe it. And you're going to end up on that boat. And that boat's going to be filled with water. And that boat's going down. But if you can just see it and start to believe it, there's nothing that's going to be impossible to you. you got to see it and then believe it. You can thrive in the midst of an impossible situation, but you got to attack it by faith. Some of the people that you love the most are not going to bend to your preferences about Jesus. But you got to believe it. And eventually they will. It took my dad nine years, the age of 78. I was able to baptize him two years ago when he came up here. Nine years of me just believing for him, praying for him, and saying, Dad, I'm following God. There's a calling on my life took nine years of God turning that heart. and I baptized him at the age of 78. My last point, and we're going home. Matthew 14, we're going to read it out here, and then we're out of here. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. And he said, you have so little faith. Why did you doubt me? The word doubt in the Greek, it means why did you waver? So doubt is natural. The problem with doubt is we often choose the side of doubt that doesn't involve God's interaction. So he went with the circumstance as opposed to staying focused on Jesus. When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Last point we're going home. God is always faithful. God is always faithful. And we get most encouraged by the fact that Peter and Jesus walked on water. And as I've been studying this for 11 years, that's super cool. But I I have a hard time believing that, that those two walking on water separately are the best parts of the story. I just, I have a hard time believing that now after over a decade of studying this text. I think the great part about this text is that Peter trusted and he tried. Peter trusted and he tried without reservation Without deadline? Are you willing to trust and to try God without reservation and without deadline? Because this is the thing, you're going to fall short. And the greatest part about this text is Jesus reaching down and grabbing Peter. The greatest miracle of this text. And it doesn't show it. It's Jesus and Peter walking back on water to the boat. God is always faithful. But you got to trust. and You got to try. Without reservation and without deadline. God will always lift you up. Final verse. Don't be afraid, Isaiah 4110, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Let's give the word of God a hand clap of praise. Come on, we can do better than that now. Come on, come on, come on, come on. If you're going to do the impossible, you got to praise him. Come on now. Come on. Hey, church, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Let's bow our heads. Let's intercede for those who the Spirit of God is moving in their hearts. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, or maybe you're coming back to him. Maybe you're backslidden. It's just a word that says that you believe in Christ, but you haven't been living for him. God wants you to come on back home. God loves you. Christ died on a cross for you. And you can receive that forgiveness today. You can receive his Spirit in your heart this morning. Church, let's intercede. And on the count of three, if that be you, if you'd like to receive salvation today, a new beginning, a new start, if you'd like to cross over to greater today in your life with Jesus in your heart, you can do that. On the count of three, don't let the enemy talk you out of this. This can be the greatest decision you'll ever make. One, you raise that hand and you raise it high. One, two, three. Three. Come on, raise them high. Raise them high. Raise them high. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Are there any more? We'll wait. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go ahead and put those hands down. God bless y'all. Church, let's clap it up. Let's celebrate. Salvation has been wrought in this place this morning. Hallelujah. That's why we exist. Praise God. Hey, if you made that decision, we have a gift for you at the Next Steps area. We love you. I'll see you all next week. God bless you. Thank you all so much.